Hi, Bruno Andrewan here. I'll be your host today, and I am with our senior engineer, Paul Adams. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Hi, yes, good to be back, and uh, hello, sir. <laughs> so, uh, today we are talking about the experience effect, and basically why costs go down over time in mass production, but also when that happens and when it doesn't really happen, <laughs> and when, when it's more likely to happen. Right, but costs do go down over a long series of production of the same product. This is rather intuitive, rather obvious, but let's let's explore this topic. This okay. So so first, an example, sort of the historical uh, perspective here. Boeing uh, in the forties and fifties were making already a bunch of airplanes, including some for 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 the military in the U.S. Right. And a lot of data were recorded about some of the airplane production runs. And specifically for the B-17, so it's a big bomber, right? Started production in 1941. And they, they, they actually kept track of how many people were working on it. They estimated how many hours and how many units of airplanes came out of the mines. And on the, the first year, it took 141,000 hours, basically, to make one piece of airplane, one unit, right? The, n- the next year, it went down to 45,000. So already, it's a more than a 2x reduction in man hours per, per unit of output. And then over the years, because they kept making that model over the years, it went down to 15,015. 15,000 man hours per unit of output per, per airplane, right? Which is nearly a 10 times reduction from the, the, the year when it was introduced. And that, that, that's, that's really quite mind boggling, right? That is really amazing. Whoa. The amount of labor went down like 9x. Amazing. Right. And when, a lot of this data came out. Some people started to make calculations and everything. And then one of the consulting firms, BCG, the Boston Consulting Group, who was kind of um, trying to compete with McKinsey, still still is competing with McKinsey, but were, they, they, they've always tried to, to make things sound a bit more scientific, more, more structured, more predictable, right? So they jumped on that and they say, well, okay, this is the experience curve, right? For productions that, that keep, keep happening in, in a stable context, et cetera, et cetera, there's an experience curve. And the, the, the shape of the experience curve will basically dictate how, how your cost will go down, how fast your cost will go down as you gain experience making a certain type of product, right? And it's not just making products. It's, it's any kind of routine activity. It could be service provision. It could be you know, a, a lot of different types of activities. But in the starting around the eight of the, the end of the sixties and in the seventies, they really pushed that, 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 that concept. And a lot of companies started to, to measure the experience curve and they, 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 they started to to estimate the experience curve in such and such and such industries, right? And they're different, obviously, right? So 
the idea is that when you have a manufacturing plant that keeps making the same product over the months and over the years, they gain experience. And since they gain experience, they use that experience, they get more efficient in making the same output. Actually, probably a better output also, but that, that, that's another topic. And it's very true, for example, in the semiconductor industry, where within the same model, where they, they, they put in place all the manufacturing process to, to, to make a certain chip, they, they start and they have relatively poor yield, meaning a lot of, a lot of defects, right? A lot of defective chips. And then they keep improving the process, improving the process to the point where they have fewer and fewer defectives, right? And that really means much lower costs. That's one uh, one example. And the the life cycle of a certain chip is not very long. Now, I should say that it depends, okay? But the cutting-edge ones by uh, TSMC or Samsung or Intel, uh, some of them have a relatively short life. However, they are made in the many, many millions, right? And then, in addition to that, from one generation to the next, uh, they can cram more calculation capacity, right? There's been the the, 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 the more low, right? Moore's low, basically doubling the, the, the calculation capacity every 18 months, something like that, right? And and so so that's the key idea here, right? You do the same thing over and over again, you get better at it and you become more efficient at it. Kind of sums again, rather intuitive, right? So, and and I'll just add one more thing on this topic is that it seems like it's more true in highly complex productions versus relatively simple productions, simply because there's more to figure out, right? And that makes sense. And also, it's more true when the situation is relatively stable. Right, where it's going to be made in the same manufacturing plant, the same model, the same configurations, and you just keep going and keep going and keep going. Because if you keep adjusting to various demands and everything, then you don't have much time to uh, to to reflect over the experience you're gaining. You're always just adjusting to the to the demand. You you, you can't spend a lot of time focusing internally, maybe on on keeping things stable and then uh, really improving the production process. Th- does that make sense? It does. It does, yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I want to I pick up on, if I can interject mm-hmm. at the moment, I want to pick up on, on one of the examples or the example you brought up first thing with the, the B-17. And this is all about a reduction of hours in order to produce exactly the same product. Now, when, when we mention the sort of the cost reduction over time in mass production, a lot of people automatically think of a cost reduction with respect to the supply chain. Okay. And yes, in some cases, in most cases, that is true when we're talking about a higher economy of scale with respect to increase the number of products being produced over a period of time. In other words, you can get a discount on bulk purchase. That, that, that's a true aspect. This is not what we're really focused on today. So we need to really focus on why does the cost of production reduce 
over the period of time. And, and that is, I think you picked up on that. It's exactly where we're focused on uh, this conversation, right? Mode. And that is yeah, all exactly. about the experience or another way of putting that is the learning curve. Now, yeah, a lot of people come into this and go, you know, I've got a fairly complex product. And I think you, you nailed it when you said it's a complex product will benefit more than a simple product over time because there's less to learn and there's less to fine tune from a production point of view, from a hands on point of view. Whereas the more complex product, it does take that time for even the skilled worker to be able to manipulate the tools to the to the most effective process and that that does take time and as time goes on they can become more efficient and the cost of labor unit comes down because they're being produced quicker because it's more efficient right and that's different from economies of scale right so economies of scale that's very popular concept that's um that, that, that i mean it does exist of course if you make products in batches of a hundred thousand you can keep the unit cost lower than if you make batches of one thousand pieces okay that 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 is also true up to a certain quantity then from a batch of a hundred thousand to a batch of a million, I'm not sure you 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 gain much. And actually, at one point, it becomes so hard maybe to to gather all the all the workforce and and to 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 find some suppliers that can make you know such large quantities and everything. Actually, you have maybe these economies of scale or whatever it's it's called. But um, the the, the maybe your unit cost might actually go up. As you keep trying to in- increase capacity to increase the batch size, let's say, right? So we're not talking about the batch size, like the number of pieces made at the same time. We're talking about cumulatively over time, right? You 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 have a, a production that starts maybe there's a pre-production pilot run, you know, maybe a hundred hundred pieces, then another one of hundred pieces, and then increasing the rate, maybe five hundred pieces. You know, whatever, twelve hundred pieces, three thousand pieces, five thousand pieces, ten thousand pieces. Well, cumulatively, when you get to that ten thousand pieces, actually, cumulatively, you might have made whatever sixteen hundred. Oh, sorry, sixteen thousand pieces, right? Well, that is the 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 key number that's uh, that's important here. It's all about the the, the cumulative experience over time, and uh, really in relatively short time i mean if possible continuous production right just like you will have a the assembly of airplanes you know they, they don't just like stop and then hurry up to make 50 planes and then stop for a couple of months and then hurry up again the level the 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 the, the, the amount of units that they produce so there's more or less constant production right the, <clears throat> this is where you can be you can be much more efficient. You really have dedicated resources and you really have people who keep keep working on improvement projects. Because if you if you stop for two months, people get to something else, then they come back. First they need to remember everything, right? And get back into the pace. So it, it's it's about the cumulative number and it's about as continuous a production process as possible. These really, really make 
does really have a big impact. It does. And also, I want to want to touch on the fact that it goes beyond the, the, the workforce. We've been focused on the, the, the production line, let's say, and uh, sort of assembling products. But it goes beyond that. As an organization, yeah, it's it is really focused on not just the the individual getting better. Clearly, that does help. But it's also about improving the tools that are used in order to put something together over a period of time you become ah we need a specialized tool for this because it will improve the the speed the the agility the the efficiency of putting things together and that leads on to the next thing which is procedures you know standard work and procedures get better over a period of time the, the more you do something the more you understand what is happening with different components going together uh, assembly sequences, processes, and those you know what processes within the organisation get better as well, and and all of this has a cumulative effect with respect to minimising wasted time and potentially wasted movement within sort of the process of putting something together. You know whether that be an i a phone, cell phone, or or an aeroplane. Yeah, it, it, regardless of the size, it it does get better with time. And and that minimizing well, waste of time and motion does accumulate into this cost reduction. So that's all added to that as well. Right. And that, that brings us to the point that it does take engineering resources and it does take management attention to drive these improvements. Because if you have a bunch of people and you tell them, okay, I will pay you by the hour, and like there's zero recording any kind of indicator, performance indicator, and it just keep going. Well, then <laughs> you can have some perverse effects here where people say, well, you know, we're very happy making whatever, you know, two airplanes a week, delivering two airplanes a week, and that's it. And then if they try to push us, we'll just push back because this is kind of a comfortable job, right? And th- there is some of that. And then you have all kinds of, <laughs> of tricks. I mean, if if you go into some kind of adversarial management slash employee relationships, it's bad, you know. And then you have the the foreman who comes and accelerates the the speed of the the conveyor belt a little bit, and then you have the guys from the union who come and check it up and measure it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have you have people actually trying to uh, trying to 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 pace themselves and to say, well, I should not go faster than that because otherwise the other guys around me. They will hate me because then everybody has to go faster. And then once we raise the bar, then management will say, okay, you guys can do it. So you have to do it every day. You know, and, and there's actually a lot of factories where that's true and that's really bad. And that's right. Yeah. And, and, and there's a negative effect to that. Exactly what you said there. If, if, uh, sort of things speed up to the point where you're just trying to keep up with the production line in order to meet your you know, required output. Per person, then that's where quality issues start to creep in, which is obviously having a negative effect mm-hmm. on the overall cost of the product. So that is going against the, the the whole idea of you know reducing cost over over a period of time because you are producing more waste because it's being rushed unnecessarily. It, it, this is a believe it or not, this this is a, and I think you mentioned it when we were talking sort of before we. Um, started the podcast or anything. This is a complex subject, 
and and it's a very deep subject that that really needs to be taking on as as a complete company from top to bottom. It's not just about forcing the 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 labor on the production line to to go faster or produce more products or, or whatever. It this this covers. The whole process from start to finish, it covers the efficiency of purchasing. It covers the, the quality aspects. It covers, you know, material quality coming in versus going out. It, it covers every aspect of, of, of the, of the business, really. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's why, as I mentioned, it, it takes a lot of engineering work. It takes also a lot of management attention and good management, right? Because you can really ruin everything with bad management. Yeah. But you need to push for improvements. And then, but then you need to have the engineering muscle to make it happen. Okay. So spend 10% of the hours doing rework. Well, what are the top sources of quality issues that we need to rework? Okay. Let's, let's fix them one by one and uh, let's make sure they don't recur. And, you know, and then, Okay, what's slowing us down? What, what's, what's, you know, what could be faster? Okay, then we need to have a plan. Maybe, oh, if we had some better tooling here, a fixture here to, to keep it nicely in place, then the yeah. person will not fumble. Okay, we'll be faster. And then next step is, well, now we, now that we have this nice fixture that the person puts the part in it and then he holds it nicely and he aligns the other part. Boom. Then, can we improve it? You know, this is semi-automation. And then over time, can we go in direction of higher, you know, more high-tech automation, right? Over time. But that also takes investment. You're investing in engineering time. You're also investing in in uh, more automated equipment. Sometimes the return on investment is, is, is two or three years or longer, right? Sometimes it allows you to save on save some, save some electricity, save some material. Or in that case, sometimes the return on investment is like four or five years, and it's okay because it's also a way to to, to go green a little bit, right? You uh, you hit two birds on, you know at the same time. So there's there's quality quality engineering work. There's process process engineering, industrial engineering, etc. Kind of work. There's working with specialized vendors to develop specialized equipment to do certain operations that are maybe a bit unique and you know it's it's, it's going to be just for you maybe well that you know that takes a lot of work right and of course working with the suppliers now that's another ball game the suppliers themselves should also experience the experience curve <laughs> they should benefit you know from the experience curve but maybe they need to to have a bit of a, a notch a bit they need to be pushed. They need to invest the engineering, you know, the, the engineering work and the management attention, right? And maybe they need help. Maybe you, you know, as the larger organization, you work with smaller companies that, that don't really know how to do these things. Or maybe you need to have your supplier quality engineers and you need to have your supplier productivity engineers or whatever you call them to go there and, and show the suppliers what they should do, basically. Right, so it it takes <laughs> it doesn't happen on its own in a vacuum, right? There's a lot of things that need to that need to to come together nicely to to really reap the benefits out of this experience effect. Very true, 
Very true. One of the things you picked up on there, I just want to uh, give my spin on that, is sort of engineering costs. And, and a lot of that is is really investing in the non-reoccurring engineering, like you talked about, like jinx mm. fixtures and, and uh, sort of some of the automotive equipment. They they would be obviously part of the, the cost of production or part of the cost analysis of the, the actual product itself, but they're a one-off cost, uh, potentially a one-off cost, and, and they would be sort of spread out over a number of months or years or even component quantities. So that is is really when we look at the the cost of a startup product versus a one-year-old mature product uh, or even a three to four or five-year-old uh, mature product. The initial startup of uh, the individual component cost is is going to be higher, similar because you've got all of these non-reoccurring engineering costs, all of the other uh, associated costs with starting up on a product, including the inefficiencies of the the whole process, which we've been talking about. Once everything is is cleared up and all of the jigs and fixtures are in place, all of the automated uh, assembly or uh, in, inspection equipment's all in place and it's done, this is where you're really going to see the benefits of cost reduction over a period of time. Right. And conversely, when you're starting with a pilot run, it's the first time you're going to be producing that specific product and there's nothing really quite like it. You know, it's really a new new product. Well, uh, you know, for that factory anyway, well, it's not going to be cheap. You know, it's it's going to be much more expensive to make the first hundred pieces than to make, let's say, the the, the second or third batch after that, right? The per yeah, per, per, per unit, it cost is much more expensive. Actually, at one point we were discussing maybe we should charge three times the price uh, when we make just fifty pieces or hundred pieces at the beginning, and then we were thinking, well. <laughs> Probably better to just charge for the, the setup cost and all these kind of things and some extra for the for the time where the time spent. I'm going to say time wasted because of inefficiency. No, the the time spent to actually learn all the kinks and and and, and troubleshoot the issues and and uh, fix the issues on the fly and just just have more a lot more supervisory attention and and engineering attention on preparing for the, the pilot run. But and, and also attending to the pilot run as it happens, right? Not just on, not not just for assembly, but also every custom custom design component that has to be manufactured. Whereas chances are, yeah, it's manufactured for the first time. Same thing, much higher risk needs to be followed up very carefully, right? So all of that is extra extra cost. Now, on the other hand. We don't want our customers to say, well, no, 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 we don't want, we don't want to do a pilot run, whatever, it's too expensive. Well, wait a minute, whether it's a separate pilot run of 50 pieces or 100 pieces or something, or you go straight into a batch of whatever, 2,000 pieces, the first 100 pieces will be painful anyway and would be expensive anyway, right? So it's much better to release less material to the line. I think that's really a key, a key concept here. Don't put too much material at risk. Uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of defectives. You're gonna spend a lot of man hours making these products. 
uh, and that's fine because it's in a separate environment. It's still a new product introduction, right? There's, there's more supervisory uh, attention, and, and and it's fine, right? But when you say, okay, let's go into making thousands of pieces, well, it, it should be actually ready. The whole process, manufacturing process, the testing process, you know, at, at the assembly level, at the component level, everything should be ready for it, right? If you if if you haven't even made fifty finished completed units, how can you tell you you you're even ready to make a thousand pieces in 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 a batch? I mean, come on. If it's a new product, a little bit complex or very complex, you don't know, and you're really rolling the dice, right? So that's at the very start of production is tricky, and it it does consume a lot more resources. That's that's a very true statement, and and it really comes down to you know looking, excuse me, looking at the the, the pilot run. You you can't really work out what the cost of a product is during the pilot run. That that pilot run which you you talked about is is really down to making sure that that everything's in place before you actually do start to release more materials onto the production line. So it's one. It's, it's, in my opinion, it is super, super important to, to have a pilot run on any new product. But that's just part of the learning curve, let's say, of, of getting a new product into production. That's, that's the very start of the, the whole process itself. Yeah, it's uh, very important. Now, yeah. I, I just want to, I just want to pick up on something that, that I said then as a, as a learning curve. Now, a lot of people talk to us. Renu, when, when we're talking about a, a fairly complex product with respect to, oh, you got a steep learning curve with that product there, guys, versus a shallow learning curve. Now, what do we mean by the two? Well, it, it's really a case of not so much the, the learning curve itself. You can imagine a, a chart where you've got the learning on the, the vertical axis and the experience on the horizontal axis with respect to what we were uh, uh, going back to where we started we were building the b17 bombers you know that the, the learning curve for everybody on a brand new air, aircraft is you know there's a lot to learn you know but over a period of time everybody's learned that but on a more more complex product you, you don't really want to rush the amount of learning in a short period of time. In other words, you've got a steep curve when it comes to learning. In other words, that's where the steep learning curve come from. It's better in some cases to actually take your time and learn everything systematically and get it right. This is a fine balance with respect to, you know, sort of what are we talking about? You know, but a lot of people come up with, like, ah, you got a steep learning curve, you know, versus, well, you know, we're taking our time, we're learning everything because we want to make sure that everything is correct and right at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, good, <laughs> good to always reemphasize that because it's, yeah, not, not only, People who develop a new product don't really have that concept in, in mind often, but also and much worse. <laughs> they talk to a lot of manufacturers who tell them, oh, it's fine, no problem. Get a final 
prototype and then go right into production. You're in a hurry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. That's the way to do it. No problem. And then you go into all kinds of problems. And <laughs> when, when, when we do a little bit of a root cause analysis, it's like, well, you did not really follow any NPI process. You went just straight into mass production, like uh, in an unstructured way. Okay, well, good. You know, good luck. So, and I, I want to, I want to, to zoom out a little bit. Now, talk about the experience curve. We, we talk about, okay, a factory that keeps making the same product more or less, you know, ideally in a continuous manner, in a relatively stable context, especially if the product is relatively complex, will tend to get more efficient over time. Well, is it, how does that, how does that translate in commercial terms, right? In, consumer electronics where the you know a certain model will have maybe 12 months maybe 18 months of useful lifetime and then will be replaced by the next model and the next model is that very strong well i'm sure that when apple negotiates with foxconn and 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 withdrawn and, and uh, picatron and so on they they have something in place about that because at these volumes, it's so much money, right? But below that, it's not actually that common. Again, when the models will rotate, you know, will, will turn over very fast. Uh, now, you look at some other other industries. For example, years ago, I was working with a big customer that was doing electrical home appliances. And their models... We're using some uh, PCBA boards, and the, the lifetime of a model is maybe four or five years, right? Some ca- in some cases, even longer. Well, they did have the, the requirement that the price would drop like 5% a year, you know, at least, and they would push the suppliers, and they would, they would actually get to the point where they had really, really bad supply relationships because of that because the purchasers were 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 like requesting these these price breaks without linking them to any kind of improvement plan it was like we don't care that's your problem you know you'll just find the ways and you'll just give us back the money right and it was bad because they did not understand the operations of the PCBA manufacturer. They did not understand how the PCBA manufacturer might cut costs. And then to the PCBA manufacturers, like, well, we buy the electronic components at the same price as some of them are going up, and we buy the boards, and, you know, it's pretty much, you know, the price is not going down. And then internally, it's always the same process. It goes through SMT and roof oven, and then we inspect like that, and blah, blah, blah. You know, how you want us to cut the cost that much, right? And it was just a very adversarial relationship where, of course, when you get to that point, well, the, the supplier is not going to be open, is not going to tell you what they are doing in their operations. They don't really want you to come in and see their operations. Yeah, yeah. So actually, then you don't know, and then you don't, you cannot point them in the right direction. And the purchasers were, what they were doing is they were, they were, they were looking for all kinds of, excuses or you know reasons to to say well right here you can save two percent because of that you know right here this is a big expense and we just you know we just found a way to fix it well there's 
that much saving, you know, how much, you know, right here already, you know, <laughs> you already saved that much. Okay, boom, give it to us. What the supplier would say, okay, we relocated to it, and then you know, it's, we we use less space in the in the in the, in the workshop, and then they would come a common measure, and I would say, well, then you save that much rent because we see it's smaller. Thank you very much. You give it back to us, right? Yeah. And it's not just them, you know, some like General Motors and a lot of companies have been doing that. But when you do that, of course, your suppliers then tend to be uh, less open over time. It's not a very, it's a very transactional relationship and you, you, you're not going to know much about what, what they really do. They would do it behind your back uh, or maybe they would not do anything. And I was like, no, look, you know, it's exactly the same as last year. What, where do you see the savings? Right. And that's not what you want. You, you don't, you don't want that. So now this, there's some places where it's done the right way, right? If you look at a automotive plant, usually the, the general manager of the plant doesn't have control over purchasing, okay? But they have control over the what happens in the plant, right? And they have cost reduction plant, maybe 5 6% a year, right? They have a target for a given model. We have a new model, and then the model is going to be running, whatever, for four years, well, every year, the cost of labor and consumables and things like that has to go down, right? So, and, and like scrap and rework and all these, all these nice things. Well, okay, but a smart plant manager will think about it and will invest. Okay. I don't want too much downtown, downtime and, and, and quality issues due to poor maintenance. So I'm going to actually to hire more maintenance people to do more preventive work. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at the, the processes and I'm going to think of what to semi-automate and what to automate. And I'm going to, to think of new ways to do this and that. And I'm going to challenge the, the paint supplier because we have too many, I don't know, some sagging paint and different kinds of defects that uh, that sh- we should not have so i'm going to engage them and i'm going to to find a way with them to 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 to, to fix the problem and and so on and so on and so you know and when it's done the right way you really have engaged people using their brains to get to the final result of you know better quality and and and, and lower costs all uh, all together and that that's what you want right but you get to do it in the right context. And you, 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 you can't, if you do it in the wrong context, can be counterproductive. Your suppliers just, you go into war with your, with your suppliers. And that's not really what you want, I guess, right? Absolutely. And I think that reinforces exactly what we've been saying earlier with respect to this is not just about one aspect of production. This covers, you know, including very smart management. It includes, you know, carefully managing your supply chain, all of the components coming into the, into the factory. It, it, it covers every, all, all aspects. Now, if, 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 uh, if a business and a company is working like we've been talking about and, uh, and they've got all aspects of the business being carefully managed and we've got continuous improvement as a key, key function throughout the whole business, 
then over a period of time, you're going to have a, a successful sort of business. You're going to have a, a successful company that is able to produce cost reductions year in, year out. But it, it takes work and, and it takes hard work and it takes clever mm. people to run that business like that. Exactly. And it, it's not just, it's not just one factor. You know, th- this goes very deep and way beyond just looking at the cost of a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Well, that that's that's a good conclusion. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. That, yeah I think we can wrap it up, and uh, I, I hope that we clarified what what it means to cumulatively produce a lot of the same products and and drive cost reduction that way. All right. Well, thanks for the listeners. I hope this was helpful. Leave us a five-star review for the podcast if you get a chance. It's always something we appreciate. And in the meantime, we'll say talk to you next week. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.